Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. Welcome in uh, Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno here. Uh, for the folks in Reno who don't get to listen to us uh, for three hours, archives of the show are at lvsportsnetwork.com. we got a bunch of good stations down here. Listen to your Reno stations as well. But uh, our Fox station here in uh, Vegas is awesome. VGK Insider Show setting folks up for what's going on with the Golden Knights. A must listen. We just had Darren Millard in, and now I'm all thrown off. Uh, their topic of the day, aside from midseason grading, is going to be a uh, question about... Dogs? Yes. How did this even start? So I'm assuming he's going with the classic. So in hockey, it's like upper body injury, lower body injury. Oh, upper body, lower body injury. What's the upper body? What's the lower body and a dog? Correct. So if you were designating injury for a dog, upper body, lower body, how would you say it? What part of the body? So that led me to going, bringing up the classic debate and conversation of if you were to put pants on a dog or if a dog were to wear pants, how would they wear them? Hmm. Would it be across like the entire body and all four legs? which, as you saw it drawn out to you, looks absolutely ludicrous. It does. Or would it be just the hind legs, which looks completely normal? So upper body, lower body, you just go by how they'd wear pants. Well, I think you go from, like, navel up. Yeah, exactly. Right. So how they wear pants. That makes sense. From the nips up. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well said. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. Hey, John Montobos here from Beeson and Cofield and Company. It's Steve Cofield, Ari helping out as well. We'll talk to Miles Simmons in about 15 minutes from Pro Football Talk. Did we really wake up to another Carlos Correa deal today? Is this are we serious here? Did we? So Giants to the Mets, now back with the Twins. What's happening? I mean, I guess here's the best part. So Passon tweets it out that he's reached an agreement with the Minnesota Twins. What was the last line of the report? Pending a physical. Yep. So it's pending whether or not they feel comfortable, which, by the way, everybody kind of laughed initially about the San Francisco Giants, like, balking at this. The Mets did the exact same thing. So I don't know what the Twins are going to find that they feel is going to be any different. But, well, they had him around for a year. You would think he took a couple of physicals and are comfortable with his uh, body makeup. Right, but that was also on a much friendlier deal, right? That was on a deal that they knew they were going to get out of. It well, was point. a three-year, $105 million deal. But the, the point is that they had him around. Yeah. They should know about his health. But they should, but I guess you're evaluating it differently when we're talking about a long-term deal as opposed to, hey, it's like a three-year deal, and also there's a pretty clear and obvious out that he's going to take to hit free agency again. He had deals for, uh, what, 12 years? Over $300 million. This deal is still tremendous. It's six years and $200 million. I saw our buddy uh, Dangerous Danny tweet out that what happens if he fails the physical here is, is his career over. Well, clearly not. No. It'll just be a short-term deal with someone, a fourth team. He was offered hundreds of this millions of dollars. over. Right. At each stop, he's offered hundreds of millions of dollars. No, it's not over. What's going to happen is, as we're kind of seeing it, right, the length of the deal is going to shorten, and that's about it. Because, again, like part of the issue when you talk about these injuries, because a lot of people laughed at, like, oh, minor league injury. Clearly, these teams are seeing, by the time we get to, like, year four, I don't know what's going to happen with you, bro. So they're just going to become shorter-term deals, and we'll go from there. Number three. Big game in the Mountain West Conference tonight. Actually, very busy schedule. Are we buying the Nevada Wolfpack? Because um, I'm a little leery in terms of the quality of the schedule. And you get the ultimate test now on the road at San Diego State. I can't wait. I mean, this is going to be something. Because to your point, 
when you look at like the evaluation of the opponents, it hasn't been the best schedule in the world. Having said that, there's some relatively decent and competitive outings. Kansas State playing that team in overtime, a team that dropped, what, 115 points on Texas a couple of days ago, right? You lost to them in overtime. Um, Oregon is a top 60 program, according to Ken Palm. So they've been competitive in some pretty decent spots. I'm very interested to watch this game, though, tonight, because I haven't watched like a full games of either one of these teams yet outside of San Diego State a couple of times. Can't wait to see it. Didn't you say about 10 days before UNLV faced San Diego State that you had some doubts about San Diego State? What are you thinking now? I don't think I had some like serious doubts about them. I mean, I guess I had serious doubts in the way that they were ranked in the grand scheme of things, right, as opposed to in the Mountain West itself. I still think they're, you know, the team in the Mountain West, but as opposed to being top 20 team, which Ken Palm has them at, I still think I have some, some relatively solid questions how they would stack up. Although, I'll say this, the one question I had about them was offense, and for the last five games, their offensive ratings have been freaking awesome. Well, why has it happened, right? I mean, Matt Bradley changes everything. If he's yep. going to shoot 45%, or higher in games, they're a completely different team. Yeah. Well, and he's also, and that's the thing, though, that's the tricky part about it, is he's a volume guy, and he's going to run hot, and he's going to run cold. So there's going to be days where he's pouring it in in the stat sheet, and he's dropping 27 on, you know, really efficient shooting, and there's going to be other nights where he drops, I think it was the other night, he had like 18 on a pretty inefficient number. It's going to be how he goes, but I think that's the question for it. Uh, this is one of the cool things about the Mountain West Conference, when uh, coaches bounce from school to school like Steve Alford did, uh, there is not going to be a need to crank up the engine at Viejas for dislike of Nevada. Oh, they don't like Steve Alford. Trust me. Going back to New Mexico, they don't like him. And the results for the pack, just like almost everyone else in the conference, have not been good against San Diego State. They've lost eight straight against the Aztecs, three and 19 overall against San Diego State as a member of the Mountain West Conference. Remember, UNLV has lost 19 of 21 against San Diego State. And, uh, and- Nevada is 0-10 at Viejas. And 17 of the 19 that they have lost came down to a missed offensive, like a missed free throw offensive rebound. It's been pretty close. It's been ridiculous. What would you do here with the uh, the spread? Nine and a half. I think I'd take the points. I, I feel like, like we don't know where these teams are at at this point right now. But I feel like just looking at this and evaluating both of them and seeing like, I think how like undervalued to an extent that Nevada has been, I think you're taking the points. Number two. I don't think I will. I'm going to go in game on that one. I'm going to go in game. Let's go Cofield and Company Friendly Wager. I wanted to go in game last night on Georgia and TCU. I never never had a freaking freaking chance. So, so many strong reactions. I think a lot of infantile reactions. We'll get to some of those in the 5 o'clock hour. Georgia blows out TCU. And I saw Pete Burns, who's an (laughs) SEC Network guy, Tweet something out about the portal, Perhaps, which I think is misleading on a couple of fronts. Good. It is. All right. So this is what Peter Burns tweets out. Perhaps the most impressive thing about this season for the dogs, Georgia did it with only taking one player in the transfer portal. Talent that was recruited and developed. Incredible after losing 15 players to the NFL draft and another dozen to the transfer portal. The way I read that is that the transfer portal, for some reason, is bad. Right. So kids in the portal, that's bad. Or it's why che- is that? Or it's cheat, not cheating, but right, it's the easy way out. Essentially, right, it's the easy right. way out. Or there are like three or four schools in the country. There might be two, or like, that never need to go and hit the transfer portal because Clemson needs to. Right. But Dabo Sweeney is a stubborn ass. But kids in the portal are not a bad thing. It's not a cheap way. Um, you know, we're tracking what's going on locally with both Nevada and UNLV. 
kids who are coming down from, say, like Oregon's program, right? When I say down, you know, power five to group of five, they're not bad kids. The Colorado quarterback was basically told by Deion Sanders, get the blank out. So he's going to Nevada. Ah, portal! Bad kid! No, no. And then, then there's the whole group that's coming up because they're not recruited like they used to be where they're getting a chance out of group of five or power five out of the gates and they have to go JUCO and they have to go, you know, MAC, whether you think the MAC is better or not than the Mount West Conference. UNLV just happened to get a center who might compete, probably will compete for the starting job. Mm-hmm. He went JUCO to Buffalo to the Mountain West. Oh, bad kid. Stop. Stop with the stop with the glamorizing, you know, the, the handful of schools that aren't using the portal as if they're doing something that's, you know, just great for college football. And here's the other thing. It also misses the most obvious point here. Okay. Kirby Smart deserves a ton of credit for building up that program and making it as attractive as it is to young players. Congratulations. You get your pick of the litter when it comes to the most talented high school players in the country. You did it the right way. Like, come on. Okay. A true accomplishment is like, I don't know, building up a program and getting to a national championship game when a vast majority of your recruits are like three-star guys or maybe four-star guys, right? Sounds an awful lot like TCU. Like, I think that's probably the way to go. Not, hmm, I'm just going to roll into all these NFL prospects houses and bring them to Georgia. Come on. Number one. We're going to talk a little uh, Luca later on because we got some NBA stuff to get to. But, you know, today we're talking about (laughs) <laughs> program building, knowing you're going to win, uh, mentally crushing the opponent. I think that's what happened last night. A very poorly coached TCU team, at least in terms of game planning. They didn't make adjustments. And they broke mentally and just got freaking steamrolled by Kirby Smart, who would not stop. Um, if you don't think that guy's fired up, uh, someone grabbed a hold of a kind of, it's kind of a raw recording of his pregame speech. This is pretty solid. Your ass is prepared for this. For 365 days, I think about the in that locker room. Think about getting our opportunity. All the you went through this week to get ready for this game, now is when you pay the price. You go out there with energy, enthusiasm. Hey, now, ain't nobody in this room should be cautious. Ain't nobody in this room should be nervous about Go out here and up! Exactly. I, I didn't know that was Kirby Smart or what Steve says to me every day before a show. <laughs> Now, truth be told, that's what I want to say, right? Right. But you can't do that in regular jobs. That's why football is the friggin' best. That's why sports are the best, because in the regular workplace, you can't do it. And this is why every every August, what happens in the studio and on the show? You beat Ari. Hard Knocks. <laughs> Hard Knocks comes on, and I turn into a complete lunatic. Yeah. Because I want every job, I want our job to be like football. I mean, we should be able to do it. Radio is ridiculous. Like, you should be able to talk to people like that and get fired up. I don't know, but then you come in two amps before a show. Might be a little you got to cut crazy. off the pregame right. speech about 15 minutes before because you're actually, you actually have to go on Mike. Kirby Smart's not going to have to run on the field right. and make some you know boneheaded mistakes. You go out there. You have those takes. What are you scared of? You've been reading. You've been researching. There are people who don't react to this, to what he just did. I didn't react to it personally, but I'm also not in the moment. Like, I feel like if yeah. you were there, one of the players who was getting ready to go, like, you know, obviously it's a very, very much lower level. But, like, when I would coach, like, Pop Warner football and you try to get them, like, the kids riled up, like, that that stuff was fun, right? I was told one time that I made the greatest halftime speech in the history of our Henderson Colts <laughs> team. It's great. It's great. It was, it, was, it was a good one. 
Tell you what, no Kirby too. We didn't give up another. We didn't give another touchdown after my halftime speech. I'm just saying. I think motivational speeches are important. I think a lot of the groundwork has to be laid well before games. And again, we if you want to apply this to the workplace, it's about it's about an attitude and about consistency. If you're not consistent every day, then because that's half the battle, isn't it? Oh yeah, of course, it's half the battle. And I, boy, oh boy, I would love to hear what did Sean McDermott tell the Bills before the Pats game. Because did that did that not feel like they were just so freaking amped to come out? Multiple kickoff returns. Naheem Hines, but been right out of the gates. Yeah. Oh, of course. That I was mean, a pretty cool moment. It was a cool moment. Well, especially because like right, of course, it happens in that game. Right, the opening kickoff return for a touchdown. Or not even just them. You know, the whole stadium's amped and ready to go to see this team and what had been gone through to see them on the field for the first time since then. And for Naheem Hines to go out there and do what he did immediately, of like, it's you cannot write it any better. It was ridiculous watching that happen. And my pregame read was wrong because remember I said they'd get the the big boost at the start of the game. I was like, oh yeah, see, I was right. And then they have an adrenaline dump, and like, then it would be an even game, and, and eventually, I mean, the Bills, I mean, the uh, Patriots challenged them, but it wasn't neck and neck down the stretch. Pretty bad throw by Mac Jones. That's one thing you have to factor in. Is that the side, <laughs> the side that could be the recipient of the adrenaline dump? Their quarterback is not good. Uh, he could play quarterback though. Yeah, long term. You going with it? No, that's what Belichick said about him when they asked if you're confident he's your quarterback of the future. He can play quarterback. Ringing endorsement. Ringing endorsement. Big Four Four is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyer seven six six fourteen hundred offices in Reno and Las Vegas seven six six fourteen hundred from anywhere in Nevada. Brock Purdy. It's been amazing. It's cool. Offensive rookie of the year to be asked to step in as the last pick in the draft in week 14 on a Super Bowl contender. And for that team to not miss a step, to not lose a game, to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo, to be better than Trey Lance, is the stuff that awards are made for. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. Hmm. Pete Schrager, NFL Network. Uh, I think that's mostly a troll. I might be in on it. Um, we may have to roll out the theme of rooting for the little white. So Brock Purdy is a good story, and I will be building a case later on as to why the Raiders should be drafting Stetson Bennett. But that's all coming up. Miles Simmons in the fourth, is with us. That's a, in that the fourth hit, round. Of that hoping. just hit you. Miles, what's up, buddy? What? Which part? Stetson Bennett drafted at all? Don't be like that. Miles, you know. I, we've, Are you out of your mind? Steve. He's playing the same sports Steve. that Brock Purdy played. Steve. He's achieved at a higher level than Brock Purdy. Steve. They're about the same size. Why is Stetson Bennett completely off the table? But now Purdy is, uh, you know, Jesus and cleats. Let's make sure to realize, too, Brock Purdy's situation in college was the exact same thing as Stetson Bennett's as well, Miles. It's not no, the exact same thing. <laughs> but, they're not, but they're not that oh, dissimilar yeah, in the game yeah, they yeah, played. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha, John. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't understand. I, like, did you notice what happened last night in that game? Do you see the people that Stetson Bennett is playing uh, around? Do you don't know do how this. old Stetson Bennett is? Don't minimize Stetson what Bennett is. Stetson Bennett's basically eligible for an AARP card now. I mean, like, what are, okay. what are you? So, no, come on. What's the case here? No. What's the case here that it's not fair? Stetson Bennett is too old. Well, then that would mean he's ready to be in the NFL. Is is the did case you hear that how Brandon e- Wheaton turned out? Is the case that it's easy? 
to achieve in college when you have lots of weapons? Why didn't Why didn't yes. JT Daniels, who was a pro prospect, achieve with the same group? Why? Well, why is Joe Burrow, you know, amazing and then amazing? I mean, what what are we doing? Come on. I mean, look at him. He he he's not the stature or size of a quarterback. Not, well, he's he's like an inch shorter than Brock Purdy. He is listed at. 5'11". Do you know what Brock, that means? Brock Purdy That is, means he's 5'8". Okay, Brock Purdy... Well, so is Kyler Murray. Brock Purdy is 5'11". Right, well, you see how that's turning out. That's not in your feather in your cap. Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy is 5'11 and probably a tick over 200 pounds. I stood next to him at the Shrine Bowl. I'm a lot heavier than him, but he ain't much taller than me, and I'm 5'9". And I don't lie about my height. Okay. I mean, it, it basically, you or I could kind of uh, excel in Kyle Shanahan's offense if we get enough time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing. If Stetson Bennett goes to Kyle Shanahan, and, and maybe, yeah, he could, you know, do something okay for a little bit. But it's like any route combination that they had last night, TCU was bleeped. I mean, like, it, there was... I understand that he's got experience. I understand that he's been all right. But look, Brock Purdy's listed at six foot one, which means he's probably five eleven. If you're listed at five eleven, you're like five eight, five seven. He can't see over the line. So unless he's rolling out every single play, it ain't gonna happen. I don't. I don't know what you're. Like, no, no, can, no. Can yeah. I interject with my favorite little nugget here about Stetson Bennett? It's really just a tweet. Please. Stetson Bennett is 25 years old, throwing quick slants to five stars against 18, 19-year-old DBs and acts like he's the second coming of Christ. Oh, yes. stop. He doesn't act like anything. That's another thing. Really? Now we're going yes, to insult Stetson Bennett because he's enjoying himself? The, did you see the post game? Come on now. So what? The kid, hey, man, the, like, the, the kid won a national title back-to-back years. He gets to enjoy himself. He, he couldn't even show up to the press conference today because he was probably hanging out down at the Lilos or someplace unless they stopped in Vegas this morning. Man, I don't know. All, let's all just agree. Stetson Bennett's future, he's guaranteed Miles to start like a week 14 Thursday night game okay. for Tennessee because they're on their third street. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, if he make, you know what? If he makes it to the league, I think he actually outpaces what most of you think he's going to do. He should be a graduate assistant at Georgia and never pay for another drink in Athens for the rest of his life. Uh, let's let's refer to what Shrake said about Brock Purdy. Can you win the Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, only playing five games? Uh, he could, but I, I think that there are, are other better candidates. Garrett Wilson comes to mind. Chris Olave comes to mind. I mean, those two dudes were real, real dudes for their teams, and even though they didn't make it to the postseason, you know, we've seen – guys um, excel enough to win that award without making it to the postseason. You brought up Kyler Murray. He's one of those guys when, I mean, in my opinion, and people might not like this who are Raiders fans, but I I always thought A.J. Brown should have been the offensive rookie of the year in 2019 over Kyler Murray and Josh Jacobs because of what he was doing on a team that ended up going to the postseason. So, I mean, there's an argument for Brock Purdy, but to me, if I had a vote, it it wouldn't go to him, at least for number one. I want to get some angles on at least three of the playoff games here in a second. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk, is with us. But, John, I want you to throw out some of the job openings, including the Colts. What's the latest now in terms of the scuttlebutt? So, Miles, I thought this was incredible. I think it was uh, Jim Trotter over there at the NFL Network who had this report that essentially Chris Ballard, his offseason, is not looking for a head coach. It's convincing Jim Ursay not to hire Jeff Saturday. Yeah, well, I mean, he didn't he didn't successfully do that during the season. So, I mean, look, I, I don't understand what Jim Irsay is doing other than just going on pure vibes, and those vibes are still bad. I mean, I don't know how you look at what Jeff Saturday did and then still think that that is somebody that you should hire to be a head coach in the National Football League. I don't know who he's going to get as his assistants. 
I mean, <laughs> is he just going to like, what is he going to do? Is he going to bring Ryan Clark and Dan Orlovsky out of the studio to come coach these teams and be his offensive defensive coordinator? And that's kind of a straight of both of those dudes. But like, I, I don't, I don't really see where whatever Jeff Saturday would want to do would be a good idea because he has no head coaching experience. He has no coaching experience except for being in high school. And we saw the results of that. So I no, I, if Chris Ballard can't convince Jeff Sat or Jim Mercer to do something different then I, I don't know, man. And miles, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I would think given the draft pick, the potential to move up to number one, the defensive pieces they have, that's an attractive job, right? Like, aren't you going out there and telling like, we should be putting the full court press on the Harbaugh's of the world. Cause we have a, a gig here that I think would look pretty attractive for a guy who wants a head coaching gig. It- Yes, it should. And the other thing about it is that Jim Irsay is traditionally pretty patient with his head coaches. It's not like you're usually going to be two years and out the door, you know, from, I mean, look at what Tony Dungy was able to do there for a long time. They changed things when Jim Caldwell was there. Yes. But then Chuck Pagano had a lot of time. Frank Reich even had a good amount of time there as well. So it's not like you're going into a situation that is potentially, you know, one and done like the Houston Texans. So there should be some stability. It's just, can Jim Irsay get out of his own way? And at this point, it doesn't look like it. You were around the Chargers all year. I don't know if you were at the uh, game against the Jags, but that was horrendous. They lost 38-10 to 10 and really faded down the stretch. Do they have any shot to go into Jackson win? Oh, yeah, they, they do. Um, I mean, they're lucky that Mike Williams was only is only day-to-day because of Brandon Staley. I, don't, I just don't understand what he's doing, man. I, I, I do not understand playing Justin Herbert into the fourth quarter of that game, and I don't understand playing Keenan Allen later into that game with Chase Daniel, like especially after Mike Williams got hurt. The whole thing is ridiculous, and then to go at the podium and say, well, there's only 48 of them, and these are really hard decisions. That's your job. Your job is to figure it out, especially when you have the five seed locked up. But to actually answer your question yeah they do because they have the offensive talent guys are healthy um jacksonville's been on a roll lately yes and they're playing really good ball and they're going to be at home and they have the advantage of having an extra day of rest compared to the chargers but i think whenever you've got a situation where justin herbert's got his back against the wall that's a dangerous place for a defense to be in because he is that good if the chargers find a similar result to the first meeting. They get blown off the field. Will Spanos fire Staley? And will he pony up multiple picks in like 12 mil a year to get Peyton? I mean, I think he probably should, but I don't know that he will. I mean, the the Spanos family is not uh, known for shelling out dollars, let's call it, (laughs) right? I, I mean, so... I don't know that they would really do that. There, there is reason to believe that there things are going to continue to get better with Brandon Staley as he continues to be a head coach. Um, he's done a great job defensively, especially in the last few weeks. The Chargers down the stretch have been very good on defense, um, but you know, I I do think that if you want to get the most out of Justin Herbert, you might need a better offensive schemer than the person who used to work for Sean Payton, and it actually could be Sean Payton. Lamar Jackson playing this weekend or what? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I kind of doubt it uh, just based on the way, like even Monday you have Harbaugh saying, man, we just don't know. And if you don't know Monday and Harbaugh could be playing games, I don't really think that he is just based on listening to him over the last few weeks. I, I think it's going to be tough for Lamar Jackson to get out there. And even if he is out there, I think it's going to be tough for him to be the Lamar Jackson that we know he can be because he hasn't even practiced since he went out with that injury on December 4th. It's a knee injury. And when you're talking about a quarterback who uses 
his legs as much as Lamar Jackson, you know he needs his knees. So I'm I'm not thinking that this is going to be a great week, whether he plays or not. Are we very doubtful that Miami can beat Buffalo? <clears throat> Pardon me, um, especially with Tua's condition. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they. I, I mean, you know, never say never, as Mike Tomlin once said, but never. I mean, come on. They, they, Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think they got a shot against Buffalo. What a freaking bummer. Yeah, it is. Teddy because two played well in there in December when they went back up there. And, you know, it took Buffalo pretty much everything it had in order to beat that team. But, you know, when you're talking about going up there without your starting quarterback and with the momentum they've got, you know, with the wind at their wings right now, I, I don't see it. Miles, what do you got coming up with uh, PFT and Peacock? Uh, well, we got the Peter King podcast this week. We talk about all of the playoff scenarios. We talk coaching changes, and you can check that out on YouTube, on Peacock, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, Miles. We appreciate it. All right, gentlemen, get Stetson Bennett out of your mouth like that, man. Come oh, on. We got a lot more Stetson Bennett coming up. We'll see. <sighs> we got a lot more coming up. Raiders draft pick talk in the five o'clock hour. <laughs> What's the problem? That's, that's can I can I set the stage for what we're gonna the discussion we're gonna have later? Um, no, because as I opened the show, you were you were uh, you weren't here yet. Oh, you were talking smack. I was I was talking smack about Me. people grading football who have been around football and just throwing this stuff out like Stetson Bennett did nothing in these last two seasons. This stuff's not easy. The kid achieved. I just I think we get to a point where we all want to be hot take hot shots, and the stuff we say about football players like you're. John, you're close to football. You're on the field as a sideline guy. You you see it. Hold it for now. We'll get to it. It's Cofield and Company here on a Tuesday. The show is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Moving past the uh, halfway point of the show, we're going to check in with Sam Paniatovich on last night's title game, betting on the game, also grading futures in the National Football League because they didn't complete one of the games. There's been a mess at a bunch of sports books around the state of Nevada. John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. So I spent this past weekend, like I do most weekends, watching sports, uh, drinking a little bit. I was talking yesterday about having a, a good run of Fireball on Friday night. That didn't work out for my stomach on Saturday. Bounced right back on Sunday to watch some NFL games and hit a spot. A lot of good NFL specials. And then I looked down on the menu, and it's one of the things I'm tracking now, are chicken wing sitch in 2023. We know in 2022, wing prices went through the roof. And we're paying for it. Okay, well... Wings per pound, I think it, I think the high water mark for a lot of restaurants was probably around three thirty up to four dollars a pound. Okay, uh, it's now under two bucks. Nice. The prices went up. Do they ever come down again? No. Gas prices have come down. Chicken wings are more popular. <clears throat> are they anymore? Also, why would they? I, I'm always in the mindset. Is, is like, there like, is there a breaking point for you on wings? I mean, I'm not really like I like chicken wings, but I've. I maybe go out and order them like twice a year. Oh, so you're not a big wings person? Yeah. I make them at home. I order them at home. Like you can I, afford them. It, well, yeah, that's the thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> on my salary, of course. Yeah. Um, but who's really going to make the giant push for like... Oh, no one's going to make the push. Prices. I just think it's a it's a consumer deal. If people just stop buying wings, they're, they have to come down. They're too popular. I actually think some places have them priced so high they, don't, they actually don't want to make them. 
Like, I actually yeah. don't want to sell them, which is, that's a method too. Yeah, like, hey, you have to offer them, but we really don't want to make these because our profit on it is crap. Also, uh, I'll be quite honest with you. I have chicken wings about five or six times a year. Right. Outside of me making them at home. Right. And it's 99.9% of the time, they're for free because I'm in an environment where I can get them for free. Right. So. Yeah, I saw over the weekend, uh, Joe I went to had uh, 10 wings with some fries, uh, 23. Uh, that's a lot. <laughs> You see what I mean? Is yeah. there a breaking point? Because I also looked on the menu and I was like, oh, New York Strip 30. Yeah. Uh, I like, think I'll do the steak. Also because. I've, and I've actually seen, I've seen places uh, that the wing price is actually more expensive than a more, let's say a more, I'm not going to say desirable meat. Not the chicken is crap. It's now apparently caviar. But uh, sometimes you start looking around the menu, you're like, I think I'll do that instead of the chicken wings. Well, it's not even about the meat itself, right? It's about the risk that you take, which is you could order wings, but not every wing is created equal. So like. You could get an order of wings, and they're just like shriveled little pieces with like not much meat on them, or you're getting like the honking, you I know, saw that. almost look like mini leg. Yeah, I saw I saw a TikTok where uh, someone got like a ten piece from a chicken place, yeah. and the the top of the bucket was like just big, bountiful, giant breasts. And then as they dug through, it was the like the pieces got really really small, and they're like. Come on now. It's a 10-piece. Like, I appreciate the first three. We're massive, but the other seven, what are you doing? It's like crack. You give them the good stuff first, eh. and then you just, when fried they come back. Fried chicken is like crack. It is. And then when they start coming <sighs> back, you just start giving them the garbage. I'd have to get some fried chicken. Yep. See, you know you what I didn't back. What I didn't do? We'll, we'll build on this. You're not not ordering. What I didn't do and will never do is go play paintball this weekend. I saw I saw a picture of multiple pictures. Was it Instagram? Of, oh, look at your leg. What are you doing? Awesome. What just happened? I just, I just, just showed Steve a massive wealth on the inside of my thigh. Ah, you may as well go, go go to an MMA gym and and have some novice MMA person just kick you right on the inside of your leg. What what's the point? You know what the crazy that thing bruises is? your whole leg. I didn't even feel like I barely felt it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Maybe it was the I guess the adrenaline, whatever it was. It like it's it looks a lot worse than it actually felt. Really? It was great. How hard was it to get the wife to go? Oh, she. She might be listening. No, she's at home. She cried on the way there. No way. She was terrified. She was freaked out. She was terrified to go. You should have taken me. I would have cried with her. I'd be very afraid. <laughs> You're not big Both on the crying. Never. No. Uh, it's it's been it was a bucket list thing for me. I've always wanted to go. I've never gone. Always wanted to go. And I'm going back. Wow, you owe her. We're gonna have to be in contact with her to find out what her bucket list item is. Something you're gonna have to do two of them. You're gonna have to make the ultimate sacrifice and do two of the wife's bucket list items. Okay, so I bet $3.1 million on the TCU Frogs to win the national championship game. Returns a profit of $9 million. Bet $1.5 million at DraftKings, $1.5 million at Caesars, and 130000 at my friends at Win Sports. So go Frogs! Need that $9 million for all of our great customers and to pay my pocketbook. Coalfield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. There is the uh, mattress guy who's become a big star betting big money on these games. He had TCU heard it there last night. That did not work out, Sam Paniotovich. What's up, buddy? I hate that guy so much. Okay. <laughs> I just do. I, I think he's a fraud. A frog. Get it? Huh? Um, may I speak? <laughs> may I speak very quickly. I think, and I'm, I'm not. I don't want to put words in Sam's mouth. I don't hate Mattress Mac. What I hate, right. as I've said many times, and I'm sure Sam, this is why you don't like him, 
is he is perceived to be reported to be a better who goes out there and fires away with, you know, risking it all, when in reality it is always tied to a promotion of some sort of which he has financially backed himself to the point where he's always going to be fine, and I feel like that's always buried in the details, and he is promoted as something he is not. Ding, 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 ding. Two issues with him. I'll make them quick. Number one, he's never risking anything. He's basically running a Ponzi scheme at his store, and he's never going to lose. The second issue is that he can get down $3 million, but I have friends who can't get down 100 bucks on the Buffalo Sabres to make the playoffs at 11-1. to 1. Like That's my problem. Yeah. That guy can do his thing and scratch his own back, but my buddies who win and move markets and beat closing line, they can't get down a dollar or a nickel or a dime on a college basketball total. That's the problem. You, uh, you had called TCU a fraud for weeks on social media. Uh, they kind of got you with that Michigan game, but you stuck to your guns, and last night you got your pound of flesh. It wasn't easy, man. I'll tell you what, because I kept seeing that TCU team go up and down the field in my nightmares against Michigan, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go full throttle here. I went first quarter, first half, full game, um, even some alt stuff. Like played a little minus twenty one and a half, minus twenty four and a half. It felt good because I knew that team stunk. Well, maybe stunk is the wrong word. I knew they didn't belong at the national championship game. And I think really the conversation to have, well, you could have two conversations. One, how dominant is Georgia and how good is that team gonna be for the next five years? But two, how much of a stain is this on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? How did TCU score fifty points on Michigan? That's unbelievable. Like the fact that Michigan lost to that team, that's a slap in the face to Michigan. You mentioned uh, Georgia and how good they're going to be in the next five years. I don't think we know for sure. We know they're going to collect a lot of talent. Um, I saw a three to one for a national title next year. How many places right now are offering the no if I wanted to bet whatever I had to? Minus 400, minus 450 on the no for a national title for Georgia. I don't think any of the American books are going to offer that. I would go as far as to say there's only a couple in the entire country that would take the no, and we know that Circa is at the head of the class because right. they take yes, no on basically everything they put up, which is awesome because it gets to the true price. But I, you can't bet that at, at DraftKings and FanDuel. I, I don't think you can. I mean, they don't take two-way markets on stuff like that. Um, I don't know that I would bet Georgia 3-1. to one. I don't think it's fun to bet the favorite. Look at Alabama. BetMGM has seven to one on Alabama. I mean, good Lord. We were talking about a team that was plus 150, plus 160 before this season. And it's not like their talent isn't going to be there. Sure, they're going to have to replace Bryce Young on offense. They'll replace a couple offensive linemen on defense. They have to replace Will Anderson, who's one of the best defensive prospects in the draft. But I mean, this guy has blue chip after blue chip after blue chip on the bench, and they're going to hit the transfer portal. Alabama is going to be fine. And here's the other thing, Stephen JVT: if you bet Alabama right now, say you bet a hundred bucks at seven to one, they don't have to win the national title for you to make money. I'm going to guess they're going to be favored in all twelve regular season games, and as long as they go eleven and one, they make the playoff. And at that point, what's the price? Two twenty, two twenty-five. I think 7-1 is a bargain right now in Alabama. So my thinking with some of these, Sam, is I want to put a future in on a team that I think has a very good shot at getting to the dance, right, which is the top four. Why would, like, I think the top team for me was Florida State. You can get them in, like, 25-1. to one. Travis is coming back. ACC kind of stinks. 
they have a favorable game up front. When I, when I mean by that is it's a resume builder, right? I think they open the season with LSU. They win that game. They go on to be the team I expect them to be. It's a pretty good price to have on a team that's got a good shot at making to the playoffs. Do you, am I going down the right track, do you think, with that logic? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're having the same conversation. Find a team that can make the playoff. I said Alabama 7-1. That's a little chalky considering where they're priced, you know, third on the sheet. But, yeah, I mean, look at Florida State and the ACC uh, to get by over Clemson. How about how about a team like Penn State, 30-1? to 1? Yep. Uh, Penn State was a very good football team this year at JVT. They lost two games, Ohio State and Michigan. And, you know, Ohio State has to replace a lot of talent on offense. Michigan can't win a big game to save its life. There's Penn State, 30-1. to 1. Oh, by the way, let's go to the Pac-12. It's possible that Michael Penix Jr. has an even better season next year. He was the second leading passer in the country, second year in that system, second year in that offense. If they can outlast Oregon and the public darling USC, how about Washington, 40-1 to to win the national title? Now, look, are they going to win the national title? Probably not, but if you have 40-1 to in your back pocket and they make the final four, then you could bet the favorite Hmm. at plus 110 or – minus 120 or whatever, you could basically bet off it or hedge it. So, yeah, I think you have the right idea, whether it be Florida State, Penn State, Washington, go down the board in some of the power conferences and find a team you like. Sam Paniotovich with us from Nesson and Fox Sports, the Cofield and company. So, John, we have a couple of um, betting stories with sportsbooks and what they're paying out to talk about. You want to intro the one you just saw? With the Bengals, because most of them involved the Bengals with the season win total, and then what there was an exact win prop. Yeah, so this was popped up, and I'm sure uh, the book in question will take care of it, but it does speak to a larger issue, which is a lot of books have house rules. they got to be able to take care of these, clean things up. There's a lot of tentacles that spread from it. Uh, But, Sam, there was somebody who put out uh, they had exact win total bets on the Bengals, 13 and 14. One of them was voided. The other was graded as a loss. House rules, right? Like so, but the house rules say you got to play seventeen. So the issue is they should both be voided. Not one of them should be graded as a loss. But you're seeing this all over the place. Well, I mean, they're either both losses or they're both voids. Right. You can't have one void and one loss. Yeah, I saw that ticket, and I saw some of the conspiracies or the reasonings behind uh, why people thought that happened. And it was like, well, I'm guessing Caesars didn't think that somebody bet 13 and 14 in the same account, you know, so they could pull a fast one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's house rules. And then, you know, I saw Benson was all over this. I really do think Jeff Benson does a tremendous job. I mean, say what you want about Circa. They are up front and they have their guys that go to war on social media. Somebody asked Jeff, Hey, I made a over nine and a half Bengals win total bet. It's not cashing. What's the deal? And he said, look, it's a refund here at Circa. You get your money back. Our house rules say that a team has to play 17 games. And if it's in the house rules, that's that's the law. That's the way it goes. Every book has a different set of rules, and you have to make these wagers knowing the rules. Um, obviously, there was a, a very popular and polarizing issue in Vegas a couple of years ago with the French Open. Really? But look, house <laughs> rules are house rules. Yeah, there was. Did you hear about this? No. No idea. <laughs> oh, okay. Hmm. A little bit of controversy. I, I might know. be employed by both outlets, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how does that work? How does that work, JVT? <laughs> Whose side are you on? You're in good graces. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's look at the games uh, coming up in Wild Card Weekend. Uh, can you make a case for Seattle to play plus 10 against the Niners? 
I can. Uh, we're already seeing those tens disappear. I wrote about this for Fox this morning. They want me to do blurbs, essentially, for all these games. I don't have to love the games, but yeah, I can write about them. Um, it feels a little steep. Let's go back a month. San Francisco was a three-point favorite at Seattle, and now the Niners are laying double digits with a rookie quarterback. I just, I can't really wrap my head around that adjustment. I feel like the odds makers are putting too much stock into Brock Purdy being this, you know next Tom Brady or whatever I keep reading about. The postseason is a different monster, guys. Last year he was playing in college stadiums. Now he's got to go into the playoffs and and dominate. Look, I've got the Niners coming out of the NFC. I'm high on them. I think their defense is outstanding. I mean, they had the best DVOA in the, in the entire NFL. They're top three in basically every metric. But they've won 10 straight games, so you're paying a high premium on San Francisco. And let's also not underestimate the importance of meeting number three. Seattle has seen this team, you know, this will be the third time. So there's enough tape and enough time. I think 10 is a lot. If you could find a 10, I don't hate plus 10 on Seattle. So building on your, you think the 49ers might be the team to come out of the NFC. I have convinced somebody to make a wager, Sam. Brandon Ayuk to win Super Bowl MVP at 130 to 1. Because, I love that. Right? Because if we're talking about people like to bet futures nowadays, and it's like, ah, there's not really that much value. Attack it from different ways. How about the guy who led in targets as brought with Brock Purdy as his quarterback who might make it out of the NFC and make it to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I was actually looking at the email that Steve sent with, with the odds and stuff. And look, I mean, these are the odds. You can find the Niners at plus 190 to win the conference. I'm not betting that. You could find the Niners to win the Super Bowl at plus 550. Uh, okay, maybe. How about a, a bet on a guy like Christian McCaffrey to win Super Bowl MVP at 30 to 1 or something like that? Yeah, but I mean, I know guys that have taken a specific team, like say it's Kansas City, for example. They don't bet Kansas City to win the Super Bowl at 350 or 375. They bet Mahomes MVP. They bet Kelsey, Pacheco, you know, go down the board, Nicole Hardman, whoever. I mean, it's 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 fascinating the markets you can play. And a team that I like, I didn't mean to take it here, Steve, but a team that I keep circling is Cincinnati. Uh, you could find some books in Vegas dealing 9-1 to one on the Bengals. I'm being told Lamar Jackson is not going to play this weekend because he's still a little hurt. And the other reason is he's PO'd that Roquan Smith just got $100 million. You know, the guy just got off the plane in Baltimore, and they're like, hey, we'll give you five years, $100 million. Lamar's like, all right, I want to get paid. So I don't think he plays. That should make Cincinnati a free space against Baltimore. They're going to be a coin flip against Buffalo, basically. So look at some of those guys. Look at Joe Mixon, MVP. How about Jamar Chase, 50-1 to MVP? Rather than bet the Bengals at 9-1, to yeah, you look at their skill players because we have seen Super Bowl MVPs go to wide receivers. Look at Cooper Cup, Julian Edelman. Sometimes it's role players that hold up that hardware. John, have you bet anything AFC, NFC? Uh, I've got or a few too late in the game. No, I mean for me it's too late. I also I do have like a, I've got a Bengals at fifteen to one to win the Super Bowl that I bet a few weeks nice. back. Yeah, so I've got like I said I think generally Steve there's not much value in the futures book like general like basic ones like Super Bowl AFC NFC at this point right now. You want to get your tickets before the postseason set. Sam, you got any any uh, lottery tickets you uh, you put down? Nothing yet. I'm gonna make some Super Bowl prop bets. I always love betting on quarterbacks to throw zero touchdowns or. Yeah, there will not be a touchdown by this team or whatever, you know, 50, 60, 70 to one. I, I know we don't have much time here. I wanted to ask JVT this because I am I'm very behind on the NBA. Are there any future bets I can make, whether it be for the title or for MVP or, or anything in the association I should bet right now? I would say if you can get Philly at 20 to one or better, that's the bet to make. 
Yeah? Yeah, baby. I got them at 25, 24, 25, a couple, like a week or so. They're going to be very good, and they're getting healthy. I got 18, 18, 20, 20. All right, 20 to 1 on Philly? Yep. Look at that. Did we just become best there friends? Yeah, right go. now. Exchanging ideas, trying to make money. I like it. I like you so much more than Mattress Mac. It's not even funny. There you go. <laughs> All right, Sammy. We'll talk to you. Thank you. See ya. There he is. Sam Paniatovich in Boston at Nesson. Fox Sports as well. You heard uh, batters right up there. So look for his capsules, his blurbs, as he put it, for the uh, games this weekend. A lot more on the games this weekend. More on the Raiders and maybe some anger from ownership about too many of the opposing fans being inside the Al. And more of my beating the drum for... Poor little Stetson Bennett. I don't know. This guy's a great all-time winner. Why are we beating up on him?